Hello coders. <laughs> Hello coders, welcome to episode 97 of the House Co Well podcast. Uh this of course is live as it is every week. Um so if you've got any questions or suggestions or comments then please do let me know throughout the show and uh I might get to them and uh, answer them. Today we're going to be talking about hardware in particular uh whether or not developers should work on crummy old poor hardware hardware which is uh, pretty run down and the reason be, uh, the, the school of thought here is that if a develop if you're forced to work on a machine that is uh, really rubbish like it doesn't have great memory doesn't have great hard drive space doesn't have great um cpu or gpu or just doesn't have a gpu then um you are you are essentially forcing that developer to write efficient code the argument is that if a developer works on the best machine ever you know uh, and to be fair hardware is is relatively cheap um compared to well you can get a lot of a lot of bang for your buck let's let's say um a developer who works on a really uh, mint machine will always be tempted to write poorly written code because they can get away with it because their machine can take it. We're going to take a look at both viewpoints uh, today and we're going to just sort of discuss the topic as a, as a whole. Um, I, I also want to move uh, not just on uh, web development, but also on software development in general. Talk about hardware that isn't necessarily crappy hardware, but hardware in other in other industries as well. So it's a bit bit of a, a bit of a broad reaching episode, I suppose. So let's talk about the reasons why um, why you should use crappy hardware to write software. So the reasons why is obviously uh, testing, right? Because you're 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 writing code on hardware that is perhaps used by the general public. Um, or uh, used by the uh, minority of your users. And therefore, if you can get your code to run as efficiently with the minority, then the majority will obviously work uh, wonders, right? Because you've, you've, you've targeted the lowest um, entry point into your system in terms of hardware spec. You you then have well, after testing, you've also got uh, performance. So again, making sure that you can your system can run on the same uh, on as good uh, on high end machines as it is on low end machines. So with you know making sure that the performance is is okay across the board. You've also got compatibility in the web development space. You have um, compatibility compatibility with browsers. So you might be. Um, you may notice that some of your users uh, might be using or running a very old version of, of a particular browser and that particular browser doesn't support some of the new fancy features in CSS or JavaScript or whatnot and you are catering for uh, that group. Again, we're following on the abilities. You also have accessibility as well. You are making sure, ensuring that uh, you can your system is as accessible as possible to um, your whole audience. 
there could also be other hardware needs as well. Um, and this is where we kind of veer off of the uh, the web development world and we move into other things. So for instance, there could be the fact that you, you might be working on a system um, and that system requires other hardware to integrate. Um, and so emulation of that system and, and that integration uh, may be... <laughs> might be troublesome and therefore having an actual physical thing to test with is uh would 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 make your life probably slightly easier ultimately though this all comes back down to quicker quicker feedback loops so for instance if you're working on a big on a on a nice super fandangled machine that has a lot of hardware to throw at it um you would have to be running through a series of emulations in order to replicate the the uh, lower graded hardware that you want to try and scale down, um, and because it's not a true one to one experience, you are uh, having to rely upon the emulation to send back the feedback that um, that you require. So actually, having a physical box which is a a truer representation of the hardware that, that you might be writing software for. Um, may give you a quicker feedback loop. It also means that you have um, you you literally have one to one experience. You ha- if you were to buy in um, the the poor poorly um, equipped hardware to write software against, you have that true one to one experience um, with that. So you can actually put yourself in the user's shoes, and you get a uh, an understanding of of not only not only how how the software uh, runs and works but also perhaps the frustrations that a user may have um, because of the system is so low spec'd and of course uh, there the the ultimate plus side to all of this is that you cannot hide bad code um, because if you're working on a very tight series of constraints you know, your hardware must only have this amount of RAM, this amount of CPU, this amount of storage space, then you've got a very small sort of constraint to work in. And therefore, you would be writing a really efficient code first rather than uh, the other way around. So just getting code to... Because, you know, we, we often we write lots of code um, and we don't necessarily think about performance. We don't think about the end user. We just get something to work. And then after that, we go through a series of iterations to clean it up, to make it a little bit more efficient, um, to monitor it and stuff. But when you're working on lower spec hardware, uh, you you cannot, you don't have that room to maneuver. There are some plus points to this. Let's talk about reasons not to though, because this is important. So reasons to have the best machine ever <laughs> to do your development on is uh, well, one is security, right? So you are always developing against them as a system that is as up-to-date as possible um, in the sense of, let's say, for instance, even if, if, even if we go back to web development with browsers, if you have to run against a, a, a browser and that browser was a very old browser, then perhaps that browser requires an old operating system that isn't very secure anymore. So security is a byproduct um, of the of the thing that you are 
uh, using. Obviously, the the other the other plus point is that you can you can try a lot of things out. You can throw a lot of things at the wall because you've got enough hardware to back your code up. Um, even if it's the most inefficient code ever, you can just throw things at it um, and just try things out. You have that ability to maneuver um, and play with different uh, different things. And also, you can test different scenarios quickly. So if you were to have a series of virtual machines, you can create various different scenarios that tailor to various different sort of sort of um, uh, circumstances. So for instance, going back to the web development, you could have various different operating systems installed on your own host machine through a series of uh, virtual machines or parallels or what have you. Um, and you could replicate your environment, your users, your customers' environments and um, you could scale down your virtual hardware to match those things. So you could do that. Um, and you could create a series of test suites, if we were talking about performance, that run against those various different um, types of virtual machines. Yeah, and then I guess you've got the ability to scale upwards, right? So you're not you're not always... Um, forced to work on the hardware um, that your users are working on. And I, I've mentioned this a few times already about you having better hardware than your end users. Um, that's just the case. As software developers, we tend to care more about the tech. Um, and it doesn't necessarily mean caring about tech in terms of a laptop or a desktop, but it's also, you know, a techie would, in my opinion, would normally have uh a really good television set tv or i don't know any kind of any kind of hardware where they can actually have a look at the specifications and do a little bit of in-depth reading they because of their nature of writing software that goes against hardware they would be more interested in perhaps the hardware side in terms of just looking at specifications and comparing things. They would be able to decipher the jargon on on the uh, general hardware specifications. Um, and as a developer, we t as developers we tend to buy laptops, buy desktops, buy monitors, buy TVs, buy all sorts of camera equipment, all sorts of things where we have gone through uh, and researched, and uh, we know the difference between I don't know one model of CPU versus another model of CPU because that's what we care about because that's what we do that's what we that's the world that we live in. Um, whereas perhaps other people that are in other industries, they just want to get something to run. <laughs> so they'll be less interested in, you know, how much memory something has versus, uh, you know, they'll be more, perhaps they'll be more interested in the cost rather than interested in the actual, um, what they can get for the cost if that makes sense. So what I'm saying is by, by uh, default, we tend to buy better spec machines because we know what we're buying um, because that's the world we live in. But it isn't necessarily the right thing um, for certain situations. So for, for instance, uh, as I mentioned, it's very easy to get into this sort of mindset that everyone's machine is as good as yours and therefore you can write code 
um, and just refresh the page. And you just assume that that your page refresh is going to run as fast or as good or as look as good and look as nice um, as everyone else's because everyone else's should be running on your hardware. There's a, there's a sort of a mindset there. Um, it, it, it takes a bit of effort in order to create a series of virtual machines to mimic the, uh, the, the various states of your potential customers or, or clients or what have you. Um, whereas the flip side to this is if you actually had some really old hardware, then that decision is taken away from you. Um, and you have, you must work within that space. Now I'll, I'll give you my, um, I'll give you my sort of reasons, um, uh, reasonings as to what I think. Um, I think developers should work on the best stuff tools that they can possibly buy. I think a developer, when they purchase a laptop or a desktop, they should be trying to spec it out to the hills. And I, and I think that uh, the, the team should, or the person in charge of doing purchasing the hardware and the, the equipment, they should be seeing um, hardware specifications like gateways of, um, of efficiency. So in order to be more efficient as a developer, I think one, a developer needs to have the, the, the tools that the developer needs. Um, and also there's a lot of things that we do as devs that your general users won't do. So for instance, we, we will write scripts that loop over thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of records. We store um, assets of the whole website. We store um, huge big databases and we run jobs against it and, and uh, all sorts of things. Um, so our, by, by definition, our development machine must be better than the average users in my opinion. And then you would go through, as I said, a series of virtual machines to scale down um, and try and mimic that kind of environment. Um, but I've been, I have played with both things. So for instance, right now, I mean, I'm looking at some really great equipment in terms of what I use. Um, but, uh, I've also, I've also worked on things like uh, microcontrollers. So where you're actually working against the hardware. Um, and this is where you're perhaps not using a VDU. So like a visual display unit, this is actually using like, um, you know, controlling lights or you're controlling something else like a, a, a temperature gauge or some sort of, I don't know, wireless thing or something else or IOT where you actually need to play around with the physical hardware. Um, and you're, you're having to write code against that physical hardware. So in that kind of space, yes, you definitely need to work against the hardware. And I certainly, certainly, certainly recommend that if anybody's doing any work that writes against hardware or there is maybe you're, you're, you're creating a system in which you are installing. So perhaps a, a, one of these vanilla boxes you can get, you can get a vanilla like Linux box um, and install it in your client's office maybe that does something, right? That's quite a common use case. Um, uh, if you're doing that, then make sure that you not only have that some testing hardware um, to play with, 
for your developers that actually is the same hardware that you're going to supply to your customers, but you also have that as a software emulation as well. So you can spin that up. Um, but I, I certainly think that there needs to be like another stage beyond just software emulation. There should also be hardware testing as well. Um, but again, this is, this is going outside of the, um, this is going outside of the, uh, the world of web development. So for instance, um, as an example, I used, I, I created some software once where I was interfacing with another piece of hardware. So I would write, I, I had this software, this system, sorry, and it, uh, it did a, a load of polling. So it was polling for, th for things for input. And then when another piece of hardware was input, it would pick that up. So that kind of interaction, you can't, you cannot really emulate. You need to actually have, because it requires a physical thing to happen, uh, you can't really emulate that. So there are some, there are some caveats to this, of course. Um, so in my opinion, most devs keep older hardware though, uh, around, but have one super awesome machine, um, that they can use for development. So I, I do think that developers, they tend to keep old hardware around, which is, uh, useful. I mean, for instance, I have a series of, of, of old phones <laughs> just lying about, um, which is good for testing for, um, mobile, uh, sites and, and systems. And that's, that's a sort of a different thing to web development in the sense of uh, with web development, you literally just look at a display unit, you know, a, a monitor uh, with a mobile phone. There is so much more interaction um, and those interactions change depending on the model, depending on the brand, depending on the version, you know, the, the version of that phone. Uh, so for, for instance, um, I can't remember what version it was, but iPhone brought in the force touch thing. And, you know, you have different, different things for Android, uh, that you do have with different variants of, uh, yeah, different variants of iPhone. They're obviously very different, but, um, uh, there, there are things on the phone that you really can't emulate very well. Like for instance, um, the camera, um, and the, the rotation, that kind of thing, you know, uh, finger placement, that's, as I mentioned with this sort of accessibility, uh, it's very, it feels when you're emulating a phone, it feels very awkward. You're having to use a mouse to replicate the finger point. Um, so that can be, that can be quite troublesome. And this is why mobile development is uh, in my opinion, can be quite awkward because you build this piece of software on a device that isn't your device that you're going to use. So let's just re go back on that for a minute. So like, for instance, we build websites every day and we build websites on uh, laptops and desktops. We also uh, look at and use websites on laptops and desktops. <laughs> You can't say the same thing for phones. You can't say I build a mob I've built a mobile app on a mobile. <laughs> it's different, totally different. Um so it's a different experience. You you as a developer you have to change your mindset to okay, so I've just created this lovely piece of code um and I can see some graphical interface that looks like the phone and I can see it being used, but it's a totally different experience to 
let's bundle up this piece of software and put it onto the mobile phone and see how that works and he, see how that interacts. Yes, my emulator could be um, could be you know uh, this fast. You know, it could be quite fast or it could be quite slow. But until I actually get it on my phone and I until I can actually get that interacting with a phone that has I don't know hardly any space or is blo- bloated up with other apps then it's a different it's a different experience it's a, it's a very different different kind of experience um so i mean a plus for having all of this uh having good hardware is of course smooth development having a means of creating uh, a a nice sort of working flow if you will um nice snappy development and uh you can you can create lots of different iterations of hardware configurations um which is uh, really handy really nice and obviously as i mentioned virtual machines are a good way good way to do this so i i personally i don't think it's a good idea to limit your your developers to uh crappy old hardware however i do see the benefits of having a a testing lab that has the hardware in which those um your your general users your customers your clients will be using um but i think for the development team they should be on the most powerful pieces of equipment uh that they can possibly get their hands on now there is obviously a flip side to this because we've only been looking at this from sort of like top down but what about bottom up um no hang on we've only been looking at it from bottom up so crappy hardware up what about um the other way around so uh what about if you were to write software for a supercomputer, what if the the system that you're you are putting your code onto is far better than the system that you're writing for, just because you can't afford to have a supercomputer? I mean, I've never come into that sort of experience before, obviously, uh, but it'll be very interesting to to hear from anybody who has the ability to. Um, write code that goes to a machine that is far superior than the machine that they that the code was written on. That's a, a sort of a flip to that, um, and how they manage that. Odd, isn't it? Very weird way of thinking. So I guess uh, another piece to this is something that I want to talk about uh, in regards to companies. Um, in terms of like, if you're a one man band like me, then uh, you really should keep ho- old hardware around. I reckon, because uh, you'll never know. And, I, you know, there's most drawers in this. Well, every drawer in this office, plus most drawers in the house, there is a man cave. There's You open it up and it's a man drawer and it's full of it's full of cables and all sorts of old chargers and and uh, bits and knickknacks and stuff like that. Old tech. Um, but I do think that it's uh, very handy to have these devices around just in case, just in case you want to to test with them but if you are a company and you have a team of developers then as i mentioned i think it's it's better to get those devs on really good hardware um don't limit those devs because you end up the thing is when you limit the devs you end up limiting your productivity and that's not a good that's not a good thing instead of um limiting the devs create a test uh, environment like a test lab that you use. Hey, thank you for uh, joining. Um, 
uh, Martin nine five. Thank you nine five eight. Thank you. Sorry, I couldn't see over the uh, I couldn't see over the microphone arm. Uh, if you want to buy some crypto now by the end of the year, you'll probably be able to afford very good hardware. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, yeah. I uh, I I didn't jump on that uh, the Bitcoin bandwagon. Um, I was tempted, but I didn't really didn't really do anything with it. I do know some people who um who've done it and done quite well off of it, but. Uh, it didn't. I don't know. I was more interested with how it worked rather than um, sort of why it worked. If that makes makes sense. Um, <laughs> um, so you're saying code to lowest common denominator testing on a standard laptop can show results of slow page loading speeds. Yes, definitely, um, definitely. But I, I do think that if you if you're if you're able to emulate that that is far better i think emulate that on a on a on a really powerful machine i think that's far better for the developer than having then forcing that developer to code on a very slow machine um because coding and testing are two very different things in my opinion hey bernard thank you for uh, for joining awesome yeah it's an interesting topic it is an interesting topic i mean it, it it makes sense to just go, oh, well, you know, I mean, we're software developers. Software developers get paid a lot of money, right? So um, we have the resource in order to buy the, uh, the, the latest and greatest. If we, you know, if we're lucky enough and we are paid enough, then yeah, we can, we can do that. And if you are, if you are, uh, if you, if you, have your own business like I do, then it's important to make sure that your gear is as up to date and um, as good as it possibly can be. But then there is there is an interesting question, though, or argument or discussion. What we're having today is, you know, should, is the best thing the best thing to use, um, or should there be the uh, the, the rubbish stuff that uh, you you can use to mimic those sort of situations? In my opinion, as I mentioned. You need to have the best stuff for productivity, but then you should also have the ability to emulate those rubbish situations. Now, there are obviously a lot of things that uh, developers, you know, web developers uh, in particular can use some services, browser stack being one, in order to spin up virtual machines in the cloud in order to emulate uh, those sort of rubbish browser versions. The problem with all of this, though, is that you end up... you ha you you end up going through the emulation, which means that you are—you don't always get a true representation of that old hardware because you are going through a virtual machine on the cloud. <laughs> so there's a lot of a lot of hoops to jump through. Um, so before I go today, uh, I want to mention a interesting book that I've uh, I've read recently, and this is Getting Started in Tech: A Guide to building a tech career. Um, this is a great, a great beginner's guide. It's also not just a beginner's guide. It's also a guide if you want to switch different industries. We mentioned today about web development, but also we kind of played around with the idea of, of different industries as well. And also, especially testing. So, you know, 
QA testing or UA, you know, all those kind of testing sort of situation, testing hardware, testing software, um, that kind of stuff. So if you want to jump from one industry to another industry, this book is really good for um, letting you uh, get a grasp on the ins and outs, the pros and cons of these various different industries. It's, uh, it's like I said, it's not just for newbies, but for those who are looking to transition to other parts of the tech industry. It explains how to actually go about picking a particular field. I wish I read this book um, when I started web development or even started getting into the IT, the computing space, because this lays it out in a very nice to digest way. Um, it also talks about how to scale your career, the various different entry paths as well, uh, the pros and cons of each of those fields, as I've mentioned, and the tips on how to land your first job. Now, unfortunately, I'm going to, I'm probably going to butcher the name of the author. It's uh, Amarachi Am Amarachi <laughs> or uh, Amy Cruz for short on, uh, on Twitter. So I've got a link in the description below. If anybody's interested, um, it is a, it's a very interesting book. Um, and, uh, even though I've been in the industry for many, many years, I actually came away from this, um, with some extra knowledge as to the, the other particular fields. Um, and I was able to sort of, when, when I got to the pros and cons section, I was like, ah, oh, yes, that's why I chose web development. <laughs> That makes sense. Yay. <laughs> so yeah, go check it out. It's uh, getting started in tech, a guide to a big, a guide, a guide to building a tech career. It's in the, it's the first link in the description below. Right. Before I leave, I've just got one more thing to do. And that is to talk about some announcements. There is uh, a sort of a, uh, a couple of announcements that I want to make around how to cope. Well, things are slightly going to change. Um, so at the moment, what happens is that on a Thursday, I, I obviously do this. This is the podcast. This also goes out the following week on the actual podcast, uh, player. So you can listen to this, this episode on, on iTunes, on, um, Spotify on wherever you get your podcast from, <laughs> you can uh, listen to how to cope well. Uh, so this happens on the Thursday on the Sunday. Uh, I do a live stream on Twitch. That's uh, twitch.tv forward slash how to code well. And we are building the how to code well.net e-learning platform. Um, and we've been doing that uh, every Sunday. And uh, it's, you know, that's really good. That starts at 1430 GMT or BST, whatever time zone we're now in. I don't know. And, uh, and that usually goes up to about half past five, maybe half four, half five really depends on how, how much progress we're making. <laughs> um, and there is another one, which is Tuesday mornings at 7am, 7am to half past eight. That's twitch.tv forward slash how to code well as well, but there's going to be a change. And the change is this. I am dropping the Tuesday stream. I'm dropping the Tuesday morning stream. And instead, I am going to be streaming code on YouTube. So I'm going to be building the howtocodewell.net website on YouTube, as well as the Sunday stream on Twitch. Now, I haven't, I haven't really decided yet on which, um, on which day I'm going to do it on. It's going to be though in the evening. So it's either going to be Monday night or Tuesday night. That's probably the two that I'll, because I think Wednesday is too close to Thursday. Plus I've got other things that I want to do. 
Um, but yeah, it's either going to be the Monday night or the Tuesday night. I'm still trying to work out timings and when's best. Um, but, um, that's going to be happening on YouTube and we will be building, um, the how to code well stuff. Another announcement is, uh, usually what happens is every month I do a a co-challenge and that is reviewed live on Twitch. What I'm going to do is I'm going to put those challenges on hold until I get the the howtocodewell.net website actually up and live um, in the state I want it to be in. Because right now we are working on some business critical features at the moment, like Stripe, for instance, um, and the subscription service and all of that stuff. I want to focus my time and energy on getting that out rather than having to come up with challenges every month. That actually takes a lot of time to do. So we're going to put those on hold. And I do think that once that website goes live, and I'll talk about this in more detail um, when when we're closer to the point, but I do think that the content that I actually produce will be slightly different because we'll be moving away from once it's once the site's live i'll be moving into more of a headspace of maintenance rather than feature development um and also marketing and so my my time would be spent building content courses and all that i mean we haven't built a course on how to code well this year which is uh which is which is makes me feel a little uncomfortable <laughs> And I've said that I won't be building another course until that site is 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 up and up and finished or up and up and ready for a new course to come along. So once that does that site comes along, I'm going to need to spend some time um, to build those that content, those courses. Um, and what I'm thinking of doing is planning those courses on Twitch and maybe coming up with some code on the YouTube. I don't know. I don't really know how that's going to play out, but it's going to be slightly different. So anyway, thank you ever so much for joining today. I really do appreciate uh, all your feedback and your questions and, and everything. It's been great. Um, this is uh, it's an interesting topic. Should devs use crappy hardware for, for testing or other general cases? And uh, yeah, please do check out that book from uh, Amar- Amarachi Amarachi. <laughs> Amy Cruz, check her out. It's um, I'll put a link to uh, the book in the show notes. Getting Started in Tech, A Guide to Building a Tech Career. Thank you ever so much for watching. Happy coding, everybody. And I'll see you again soon. Cheers. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.